You're listening to episode 111 of the Mad Chatters podcast, November 9th, 2016. Most everyone's mad here. <laughs> Hello there. Welcome back to another episode of the Mad Chatters podcast, your very important date with the happenings at Walt Disney World and around the Disney universe. My name is Derek, and joining me as always are my fellow hosts, Matthew. Howdy. And Jeremy. Here's to the ladies who lunch. Hmm. Question for you guys. Have you started listening to Christmas music yet? Yes. Um... It's after July. What am I, a pagan? <laughs> okay, I knew Jeremy. Matt kind of surprises me a little bit. No, I'm. I listen. If uh, I live in Central Florida now, but when I lived in places where fall exists, as soon as there's a crispness in the air in like September, crisp crispness, I I start listening to Christmas music. <laughs> Merry Christmas. <laughs> I'm serious. Uh, here, it took me a little longer to get in the the spirit of the season, but. You start smelling orange orange trees burning, then, you know, that gets me in the mood. Okay, okay, yeah, I've definitely started uh, dabbling in some Christmas music already. Um, but the reason I asked, there is a point to that. We've got a special treat to kick off this show. Joining us today is a member of the acapella singing group Voctive, who you might have seen in a number of online videos that have gone viral over the last year. I first heard of them when their Disney love medley popped up on my Twitter feed last year. Uh, it features songs like I See the Light from Tangled, You'll Be in My Heart from Tarzan, and it was recorded with Kirsten Maldonado, who was a member of the group Pentatonix. Now, Jeremy, I remember, uh, I don't know if you remember this, but I remember I first saw and immediately sent it to you because you and I share stuff like this pretty commonly, videos like this. Um, and I remember we both were just like, these these guys are so good, oh my word. Um when you watch their videos, you might actually recognize some of the singers because Voktiv is largely made up of members of Voices of Liberty, which, as you might know, is the group of singers that perform classic American tunes in the American Pavilion at Epcot, and we have raved about them a number of times on this show. Uh, well, the person we're going to speak with today is not only a member of Voices of Liberty, but he actually started the group Voktiv, and he arranges all of their music. So we're going to talk to him now. His name is Jamie. We're going to talk to him about both of these musical groups and about the brand new Christmas album that Voktiv just released. Up next, we're joined by a special guest, Jamie Ray. Hey, Jamie. Hey. It's so good to have you on the show. Thank you for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, now we definitely want to hear about Voktiv and the new Christmas album you have out. But if it's okay, I would like to start by talking a bit about Voices of Liberty, since that is something our listeners are familiar with, not just because we rave about the group on this show, but also because many of our listeners have heard them in person at Walt Disney World. So I could you just tell us a little bit about how you became part of the group, um, maybe what the audition process was like, or how long you've been a member, stuff like that? Well, the audition process is uh, terrifying, <laughs> and everybody, um, everybody currently involved is or at one point was a member of Voices. I started, this is actually going to be my sixth Candlelight contract this year. And so that's when I first started with the group was in Candlelight. And then just that following 
um, spring, moved into learning the the Americana music, and then that following year learned the the Christmas music for the the group on the floor. And I mean, this is definitely a group that I was the crazy, creepy fan that I sit, I sing now, and I look down and I sit, see people sitting there, show after show after show, and I'm thinking, do you not have a life? And then I remind myself, yeah, that was me. So <laughs> of course. Um, I was beyond thrilled to be part of it because the people in it were like my absolute heroes and now they're my friends and it's bizarre. So it's great. Good. What about the process was terrifying? I'm curious. I mean, just because it's such a, um, it's an elite group that, I mean, since I had such high uh, respect for everybody in the group that the actual audition process, you go in and you, the open call, you go and you just sing a song of your choice, and then you get called back for your voice part, and you have to sing a song that they give you. Um, and then if you get kept after that, you have to sing a song with a group of people. And it's just, it's just very, it's intense. And it's, I mean, it's fun, and I liked it, but I mean, it, I also was dying the entire time. But <laughs> um, yeah, and I mean, it, it's 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 really nice because actually, I think because of stuff related to this group and a little bit free to this group, I was lucky enough to be asked to uh, I've r- arranged a few songs for Voice of Liberty now that they do on the floor, which is kind of fun and cool. Oh, very cool. And I guess a audition process like that kind of makes you feel like you earned it, you know? So. Well, I'd like to think so, but I feel like maybe I just faked it really good enough to get my way past. <laughs> nah. So you mentioned uh, Candlelight, and I know Voices of Liberty sometimes does special concerts for like Easter and Fourth of July and stuff like that. Uh, is there something you've had a chance to do during your time with them that has stood out? They do a 4th of July show that is probably the greatest thing that happens for this group. And I love that. I have not been a part of it. I'm always out of town in June. Um, but for the whole month leading up to for rehearsals and different things. But it's definitely one of the greatest things to see an an echo set that the group does. I don't know if you all have seen or heard of what it is it's two different casts and the whole there's a cast that stands down there on the floor where they normally do and then at, in the middle of the very last song all of a sudden they freeze and they stop singing and you just hear another group singing you can't see it you just hear it and you're thinking where is this coming from and then slowly on the next the second phrase they walk forward and they're upstairs and all of a sudden all around the railing up in the balcony they are singing back and forth and that's why they call it an echo set at the end they it's two separate groups, and um, seeing it in person is the greatest thing ever. So mm. I love that. I mean, honestly, probably my one of my favorite moments is now I've started leading. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a sub for the group. I mean, it's not my full-time job. I have another full-time job, but my um, I sub as a singer, but also now in the last year or so as a lead. And leading the group on these songs is amazing, but it was kind of fun leading them on one of mine. The very first day I did that was kind of cool. Wow. Now, we are a Walt Disney World podcast. Yes. So, I want to know, like, in general, how would you describe what it's like to work for Walt Disney World or at Walt Disney World? I mean, I guess maybe I'm really lucky in the the job that I have. I love doing it. And I I mean, I say that like there's a bad job, but um, I don't think that there probably is. I really enjoy my job and maybe because of the fact that I am a sub and I'm not there every single day, I definitely, it hasn't lost any of the magic for me. And I still like a nerd, like to go to the parks 
with friends and family on a somewhat regular basis and still like to go and watch Wishes at Magic Kingdom because it's so great. And to, yeah, I mean, it's, I go often and I love it. I have this theory that um, there's it's very cutthroat behind the scenes with the Voices of Liberty um, because they come out very cheerful and very happy. But I, I got a feeling that it's just like, so is that true? No. No. <laughs> of course not. What do you think? <laughs> well, I mean, I'll tell you, even if it was, I'm not going to sit here and be like, oh, you know, it's yeah. everyone hates each other and it's the worst thing. No. No, I mean, luckily, it's a really great group of people, and it's a nice group of people to work with. And, I mean, uh, not for nothing. It's not a, a group of middle school, high school age people that have drama going on in their life every five seconds. It's, I mean, it's it's adults that have established themselves in, in this in this industry. Yeah, but, but so so was Fleetwood Mac. That's what I'm saying. You know, so. <laughs> uh, no, but it's, seriously. Um, now... Uh, who decides on what songs are sung each day? Because, you know, you go and you see them and it could be a different set, different song list or whatever. Is that decided by the performers that day or is that kind of set in stone ahead of time? No, the lead um, of the day chooses every set before we walk out based on who's there and who knows what songs and how people are feeling and how people are sounding. And we've got about, I don't know, 40 to 50-ish songs to choose from and uh there are some songs that will get done throughout the day um repeats and depending on the cast if you've got a full-time cast that's been there for a while and knows everything in the book and is all feeling up to everything you can pretty much go and hear um every single set should ideally be different we do have a show in place if we are missing a person uh our music is eight parts and that does not count the lead. So no matter what the lead, what part it is, it shouldn't count as a voice part. So if there are seven people there, we have a full show's worth of songs that we can do and not be show down, but you will go and see the same show all day, all day. Okay. Because there's only one, there's only five songs that we've got that can do that. Is there a, a song or a handful of songs that you or personal favorites of yours? Oh, yes. God bless America. I could close every set with that and be thrilled. Um, uh, I like Songs of the South. It's a really hard medley, but it is so fun. Um, of course, Golden Dream is great. That's hard to sing, but it's it's great. Uh, I mean, I guess I, those are two that you don't hear often. But um, Well, you said hard to sing. I was actually going to ask if there's a consistent consensus on what the hardest song to sing is um not necessarily i mean there are certain songs that we cannot do like if you just have eight people which would be able to do most all of our songs there are a handful of songs that you can't do you need to have at least 10 people to do a couple of the songs um and it's because it splits a bunch of times there's solos or there's different things that happen but i mean every person's gonna have different songs that they do or don't like or that it's harder to sing. I mean, um, I Songs of the South is probably harder for me to sing just because it's taxing on my voice, but I know that there are plenty in that group that can sing it in their sleep and be just fine. So, mm -hmm. I mean, yeah. Is there any behind-the-scenes stuff you think our listeners would find interesting, like the costumes, the dressing rooms? I mean, 
No, <laughs> no, it's nothing, <laughs> nothing really exciting. I mean, what we, do you all do? What do you do during in between sets? Because especially at Christmas time, they're wearing those big uh, hoop skirts, and you all are, are bundled up. Where I mean, it's 90 degrees outside, and you got coat, you know, coat on. And really, we're inside, so we don't have to worry too much about that. The the temperature issue, but I mean, we relax, we watch TV, we watch movies, we play games, we um, just hang out. So now, how did you, uh, how did the new group come out of the Voices of Liberty? Because you mentioned that everybody was a part of it at one time. Is well, that how everybody kind of got established with each other? Somewhat coincidental in that they were, uh, it's not totally coincidental. The this group has absolutely nothing to do with it, so it didn't come out of Voices of Liberty by at all. But we were doing um, a project a couple of years ago, and I posted a video of the Disney Fly medley that I wrote, a video of that, just like literally happened to just have a camera with me the day we were recording it and posted it, and it did well, and it kind of blew up. And um, so off of that, we got a couple of random requests to do different songs, different recordings, different videos, and they were very random. Nothing was planned and nothing was regular. And so I just kind of would get different groups of people together to do these recordings and maybe a video here and there. And um, finally, uh, Kirsten Maldonado, I, I reached out to her through a student of mine, actually, thanks to him. and he she wanted to do something with us and uh we did uh, the disney love medley with her and it was kind of like a, okay so this is now our group and we got to come up with a name and we've got to come up with like we have to actually be a group and not just like randomly getting together to sing a song every now and then type thing and um because when the video comes out people will want to know who we are and what we're called and all those things and so actually her boyfriend well ooh, her now fiance jeremy was unbelievably helpful with that whole process. It was really, really great. She is the absolute nicest person. I mean, there are, I'm sure I haven't met a whole lot of celebrities, but I know that there are celebrities that can turn it on when they're out with people and they can just seem, seem really nice and all that, whatever. Like you're asking if Voice of Liberty kind of does that. She is behind closed doors and in front of people, just the sweetest person and so genuine. And it was so refreshing to see that because here she is out doing all these different things and she's like 23 years old, but she was as nice as could be. And it was the easiest and most pleasant process with her and Jeremy um, for that video. And that's literally what, it's that video that kind of shot us off. Yeah. Um, now, for our listeners who don't know, this is Kirsten from Pentatonics, correct? Kirsten Maldonado from Pentatonics, yes. Okay, yeah. Um, is this the the Disney Love Medley? You said Fly Medley. Are those two different things? Well, the Fly Medley was the video that I did. We did about two years ago that she actually saw and then wanted to do the Love Medley with us. Okay. So the Fly Medley is actually what started it off, but without really knowing that it was starting anything. Now looking back, that's what started it. But the Love Medley was the intentional start to it for sure. Mm. We put out a couple of videos last Christmas before the Love Medley came out. Um, just to kind of have something because it was actually even Jeremy who was the one that said, so when this video comes out, you need to have something else out there. So people, are, when they're like, who are they? There, something will exist. And so we purposefully just put out two videos last Christmas just so that when the Love Medley came out, people could go and see something else. Now, I yeah. just realized 
you are two two degrees away from Dolly Parton, who I love. <laughs> yeah, I actually met Dolly Parton. Oh, stop it. I mean, it was very, very quick in passing. Tell me she's everything I hope she is and more. Well, she was walking past me while I was taking a picture of, uh, my gosh, I think it was, I was in a recording studio in Nashville and I was, uh, to show someone what studio I was in, I think I was taking a picture of like Faith Hill's album or something that she had recorded in that studio and I had my phone up taking a picture and underneath my camera, because she's so short, walks this woman and... <laughs> I knew she was going to be in the studio that day, and we were told, if you see her, just don't, just leave her alone. She's keeping to herself and whatever. And she said, and I wasn't looking to see who it was. I was in the middle of thinking, why is this person walking in front of me while I'm taking this picture? <laughs> and she was like, yeah, she is pretty great, honey, isn't she? Or something like that. And I was, and I looked down and realized who it was, and I was like, oh, so are you. <laughs> Listen, I'm not even playing. I literally would die. Like, there's, I, I use that expression a lot. I mean, the, but if Dolly Parton walked by me, and I didn't realize it, and then all of a sudden, I mean, die. Literally, heart stop, it, it would be the end. In the amount of time from it took for me to realize who she was and to say, so are you, the door clicked behind her going back into the studio where she was. <laughs> I would have chased stranger her in the night. But anyway, yes, I mean, so you're still two degrees separation between. <laughs> hey, uh, but I'm getting closer, I'm getting closer and closer. Well, back to the Disney love medley. I gotta say, first of all, terrific. Love it. I remember when this video came out. This was the first I had heard of you guys. First I had heard of Voktiv. And Jeremy and I kind of send these links like this to each other every once in a while. And I remember sending that to Jeremy. And we were both like, man, they're so good. This is such a good med Because we're a sucker for medleys as well. Especially Disney medleys. So it was like all of our favorite things wrapped into one song. Hey, I one-up you. I actually, I, I bought the Fly medley on iTunes. Because wasn't it for sale? Look at you. All Same. right. There we go. I'm 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 a bigger fan. There you go. I'm sure that thirty cents got me something at some point. <laughs> You're welcome. It meant you got you. to meet closer to Dolly. Thank you for. There you go. That was what it was for. Yeah. Okay. So you mentioned uh, Kirsten, but you've also had the chance to record with Jody McBrayer, and most recently I saw you recorded with Mark Lowry. How did those come about? Okay. So in our group, um, we have the famous and the one and only Tiffany Coburn, who is the queen of my life and many others like myself feel the same way. She just has done everything and knows everyone and she is the most amazing everything. And when you watch a video, you can do nothing other than look at her because she's just captivating. She's our second soprano. I mean, everyone is obsessed with um, EJ and Kate and don't get me wrong, so am I. But before I even knew they existed, before I even really even knew who Tiffany was, she was my everything as a child in elementary school. She hates when I start stories that way, that when I was in second grade is when I discovered her because she was already in her recording career and had toured with Sandy Patty and had done all this stuff. And so because of her, her touring past and her performance past, she's done a lot of recording and performing and different things with a lot of different Christian artists. And so... We were literally at Voices of Liberty one day in the break room, and we were talking about different things that we could do um, and different artists that we could and should reach out to to see if they'd be interested in doing a song. And um, we went outside, because there's no service in the room, and we went outside and she pulled up her phone and called Jody McBrayer. And I'm sitting there and I'm, she's got it on speakerphone, and I'm looking at the screen of her phone, it says Jody McBrayer, 
And I pointed to it, and I was talking, I, I kept pointing to it and saying to her, oh my gosh, I'm talking to Jody McBrayer. Because I grew up listening to Jody McBrayer in Avalon. Oh, yeah. A, oh, yeah. Absolutely. My best friend Rachel Potter and I, she and I grew up singing all of Avalon's music, and our other friend Rachel. The three of us sang everything Avalon that's ever existed. <laughs> and um, when I told him that, I was like, you are the soundtrack to my childhood. And he got really mad at me. Um <laughs> <laughs> but he answered the phone. And I was just, and she, she was like, Hey, would you want to come and do this? Have you seen this video of the love medley? And he goes, Oh yeah, it's great. Sure. Yeah. When do you want to do it? And I was like, what song do you want to sing? And he, he sat there for a second. We talked about a couple different things. And I said, okay, you're, you're at a cabaret or a karaoke thing and you've got to pick a song to sing. What's your like go-to ultimate that you've always wanted to sing. And he said, Eh, it's a girl song. And I go, well, that's fitting because your voice sounds like that. And I said, but what song is it? And he goes, Someone Like You from Jekyll and Hyde. And I said, perfect. I'll send it to you tomorrow. And then, shockingly, he came down and recorded it. That's awesome. Yeah. And then, no big deal. Same exact thing happened with Mark Lowry. Actually, um, Jody reached out to Mark as well. Um, but Tiff called Mark and... He had seen the thing with Jody, and he wanted to do this. And so I got on the phone with him. We were talking about songs, and I was like, now, don't hate me, but would you mind doing Mary Did You Know? He was like, well, I didn't think it was going to be another song, because that's my one song. If you've got one song, please let it be that one. Yeah. Right? yeah. So um, next thing I know, we were making plans for him to get here, too. And I worked on the arrangement, sent it to him, and he liked it. And so... And we've got a couple of other artists that have agreed to do things with us that I don't want to tell you yet. But the second that they walk into the studio to record, I will be dead on the floor. Dead. Just like you with Dolly. I, I mean, dead. I've already met one of them to talk about this, and that was enough for me. But I don't know what I'll do when they're in the studio. Mm -hmm. I will probably die. We were trying to get one of them for the Christmas album, but we didn't have enough time. We just kind of did this too quickly. But... We've got to, and I was like, it doesn't matter. We'll just do a single, and once the new year starts, and we'll do have a couple of great singles come out with the two of them. And so, I'm like, it'll be good. It'll be good. Do you have any names that are on like the top of your wish list? I mean, they might listen to this show, and uh, then you know, give you a call. Uh, any uh, there's a, a million that I can give you right now. I mean, I was talking the other day. I'll tell you right now who um, give me. Donny Osmond, oh my gosh, oh. Um, Barbara Streisand, I would. Yeah, that, that would be the end of my life. I would. What about <laughs> I wouldn't be able to form words with her there. I mean, I as strange as it sounds, I would kill to do something with Lady Gaga. I mean, with <laughs> like her thing that she did with Tony Bennett. Like, yeah. and, oh, there's another one, Tony Bennett. Oh my gosh, hey, her Sound of Music medley that she did at the Oscars. I know it was amazing. I would. Yeah. That was one of the moments. Actually, there was a. When she did the duet with Tony Bennett a few years ago, she did uh, Lady's a Tramp or something like that. And I remember thinking, she sounds like a young Barbara Streisand in this. And then, so when we were trying to think of artists, someone was asking me, like, if you could just have your pick of anything. And I was like, well, yeah, actually, if you want, like, a top 40s pop artist. I mean, obviously Beyonce, but I don't even want to say that name because it's almost... It's it's not even worth my breath to say it because it's just so far. I mean, not that Lady Gaga is any more obtainable, <laughs> but Beyonce is. I I don't I don't. There's no end to that sentence. Just Beyonce is 
everything. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to get your hopes up, but this is the only Disney podcast in which we've had Ed O'Neill on. So, <laughs> the the odds are in favor. Wow. Uh, you talking about Jody McBrayer and Avalon. Now all I want to hear is the Voices of Liberty sing their version of Don't Save It All for Christmas Day. Oh, gosh. Being- when I was in high school, I told him this. I said, my goal in life was to one day be able to sing Don't Save It All for Christmas Day. That was like literally a goal that I was like, one day when I get older, I'm going to sing this song and it's going to be good. And I gave up on that dream very quickly after realizing I will never sing this song because I can't. Yeah. He is insane. Well, and what's funny is he kept saying to me before we went into the studio, he's like, oh, I'm going to disappoint you. Your, every, your, your dreams are going to be crushed, whatever you think of me. And he, he, the first sound out of his mouth, I thought, oh, I hate you. He sounds so stinking good. I mean, I will tell you this. I mean, I don't want to give away any recording secrets that happen with anybody. But that man, that song with the exception of, I think, maybe one phrase we went back and punched in, the entire song is one take. Wow. He is not a human being. We were doing it normally, like, I mean, and he's like, I'm a live singer, I'm a live singer, I need to, and he's 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 right. He, he's he's definitely someone that likes the energy of, of singing a full song live, because we were doing it like little phrase by phrase and little pieces and whatever. And so we got the whole thing, he's like, let me just try it once from the top, let me just do the whole thing once, and I was like, all right, fine. And he did, and he finished, and I was like, I hate you. You're insane. Well, speaking of Christmas music, I feel like that's a probably a good segue into the newest album you guys have out called Spirit of the Season. What can you tell us about it? Uh, well, there are 13 songs on it, and I'm really, really excited about all of them. I'll tell you this, that the two that we recorded last Christmas, the ones I was telling you about for... Um, to have something when the love medley came out those two just because they were christmas and we already had them we did put those on there so there's even though there's 13 tracks there's 11 new tracks on the album that's still pretty impressive i mean for an acapella cd that's a lot it's definitely a lot um so yes jody's on it and mark is on it we just released the video of mary did you know just on friday and i can't even believe what's happening with it it exploded on facebook and i mean literally while we're sitting here let's see where it is at this moment i it has oh shoot it's at 4.9 million i'm ready for five million. three of my friends just today shared it i noticed that it's crazy i posted it new just in between my classes at, at work on friday and um it's uh it's just almost at five million views i mean it doesn't hurt to do mary did you know with uh, one of the guys who wrote Mary, did you know? So, right. <laughs> but yeah, so as far as other tracks on the CD, obviously Spirit of the Season from the um, Polar Express is on there. Oh, okay. Um, I wasn't familiar with that. I'm with you now. Yeah. Well, if, have you ever seen Christmas Wishes at Magic Kingdom? It's the spirit of the season. Da, 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 oh, da, yeah, da, yeah, yeah. Hey, you should be in the group. That was really good. Thank you. That's my audition. That's good. That's good. So we've got Spirit of the Season. Um, I'm just kind of looking through here to see what... We, oh, there is one song that I'm really excited about that I think... We d- we just did a video for this one the other night, and I'm hoping it will do well. Um, we did... I have an arrangement of Carol the Bells, which, I mean, Carol the Bells is a very standard Christmas song that millions of groups have done. And so when we were sitting there trying to figure it out, 
um, I was talking to music director for the group that um, I've got uh, Tony DeRosa, who is also, he's the actually the music director for Voices of Liberty. And so when we put this group together, I was like, you should be the music director for this group as well. And I say that I said that to him and I've never actually said that to him. I think he, he just knows that that's what is happening. So anyway, we were picking songs and he said, why don't you try to do that one? And so I'm sitting there and I'm working on it and I'm working on it. And I couldn't come up with anything. And I was like, oh, the entire song. You know what Carol LaBelle's is? You know what that song is? The, yeah, yeah. Da, 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 da. I mean, there's not a lot to that song. It's a very short song. And I was like, literally, there's 35 seconds worth of music. And I'm, I came up with as much as I possibly could. And I was going to dinner. Uh, I was actually going to see Tony's kids in a show. And right before, I was at dinner with Tiffany um, and her husband. And I was like, I don't want to mix it with another Christmas song about bells because I feel like that's going to be too cheesy and blah, blah, blah. And he goes, why does that have to be another Christmas song about bells? Why can't it be a Disney song about bells? Why don't you do uh, with the bells of Notre Dame? And so I looked at him and I said, I have to leave. I have to leave right now. I have to go home. (laughs) Track track five is Carol of the Bells of Notre Dame. That is awesome. You you just sold an album because I just, I'm buying it now. That's it. Yeah. It's pretty, I mean, I'll tell you this, that because, um, I've always wanted to do something hunchback for this group because I knew that the big opening that ah, 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 would be huge with this group. And we have all the high notes that we need and all the low notes that we need for it. And so it was so good. And we did a video for it the other night and that one will be out the day after Thanksgiving. Um, I haven't even seen it yet. We just filmed it. And so I'm telling you it's, the, I, I'm excited about it. I think the group is really excited about it too, for sure. Uh, of course, we have an old holy night on there that is—it's pretty epic, and it'll be pretty great. It'll be the closing for our concerts, and um, but we also what's one fun one on there for sure is "Go Tell It on the Mountain" that features two of our more pop singers, is a, a lame description of them, Crystal and Eve. <laughs> um, and it is a very gospely sounding song. And it's it's funny because that was one that at the last second, I was like, I can't come up with anything good for this. This song is going to be, it, it probably won't even make it onto the album. And I'm going to hate it if it does. And then we recorded it and Crystal sang her part and EJ sang his part. And I thought, okay, now it's probably one of my favorites on the album. Yeah. yeah. So did you arrange most of the music for this album? All the music? I arranged all the music. Wow. Way to go. Well, I mean, it's it's interesting because we kind of decided to have a Christmas album uh, middle of the summer, um, end of the summer. And that's usually around when most people who are doing Christmas albums are finishing up. Um, and the idea of not only starting to record one, but looking at the idea of, okay, I need to write, I don't know, a dozen arrangements. And these aren't really arrangements that take me five minutes to write. Now, I will say some of them... They just they do come to me and I can sit down and I can write them in a night and then usually what I do that um, whether my group thinks I'm a huge nerd or not I don't really care I record all the parts so that I can hear it and I can send it to them and I can send it to Tony and usually Tiffany as well and be like do you like it and they say yes or no and I change things or I work on it and that's how I and also just kind of a way for me to get to make sure that the the lines are singable and 
they're fun to sing or it's easy to read and i mean it's kind of a way that i i like literally sit here in the exact same chair that i write the music and there's a microphone sitting right in front of my face and i like reward myself after a couple of hours of writing and i get to record it now and hear what it sounds like yeah so every every arrangement that i have ever done somewhere there exists a recording of me singing all of the parts. you should release an album of just those demos <laughs> <laughs> it would they sound I mean as much as I sound a lot like Kate and she'll be the first to tell you that all of my high notes are very similar to the way she sounds on them she may sound a little better so just I don't know a little. as well just barely I always tell her I'm like if you need to take a break I got this you just, just sit there I got these high notes I'm fine well, uh, this this uh, episode actually releases Wednesday, so our listeners right now, if they want to, can oh. go get the album. Um, so if they want to follow you online, if they want to get the album, where can they do all of that? Well, the easiest thing to do would be to go to our Facebook page. Our Facebook page, it's Voctive and Like Us, for sure. But then also on there, all the info will be there for um, the CD. It's actually... Uh, if you want the physical CD, like if you want to hold it and actually open it and read it and all the things that are on there, CD Baby, you can actually uh, buy the physical CD and they will ship it to you. But as far as if you just want to download the tracks, it's on every digital platform. Uh, so you can go to iTunes or Amazon or Google Play or anything. Um, and you can download the tracks. And yeah, so... That is as of Tuesday. So if you're listening, if they exist now, go get them. That's right. You heard it. And then we've got two concerts for the release of the album. One is on the 13th at Rollins College, where I work. And that is the tickets are available now. And I posted them last night. They're already selling pretty fast. And so and it's a small venue. Also, there's one on the 23rd. It's the December 13th and December 23rd. Uh, we haven't posted the tickets for that yet. We're still working out venue stuff and finalizing things before we post that. Um, hey, wait, when is that When is that concert at Rollins? On the 13th. It's a Tuesday night. Oh. December 13th okay. at 8 o'clock. And we have two different, well, technically three different tickets. If you're a Rollins student, you can get in, the, you, your ticket is $10. General admission is 20 and then we actually have a VIP ticket where you can come beforehand and have and talk to Tony and I and get uh, have a Q&A with us about anything with the group, any of the songs, any of the arrangements, whatever. And then um, the group will come in and you can get a group picture and a signed CD um, or a picture with the group and a signed CD. And then you go in and you get special seating for the concert. So... There's all of those options for the this upcoming concert to try and get people out there. I get the impression that you might see Matt's face at one of these concerts. You, you, you might. Where, where was the other one? Sorry. We're still working on that one. That will be okay. posted probably in the next couple of days. We have uh, a couple of different plans, but I think one is definitely starting to shape up. And so um, we will be posting that in the next, hopefully the next couple of days for sure. Terrific. Well, Jamie, thank you so much for joining us. Congratulations on all the incredible things that are happen- happening for Voctive. I'm so excited to get the Christmas album. I'm all about some Christmas music, especially acapella Christmas music. 
So. It's good. I, I hope you like it. It's definitely a lot of fun. I mean, we had fun recording it, and it's it's an exciting project for sure. So that was pretty fascinating. I'm sorry, Jeremy. I hope you weren't too disappointed by the fact that there was no backstage drama. I mean, now all my fan fiction is ruined. The reality and the whatever. Well, it's so. fiction because it's not true. Yeah, but I was hoping to sell it like as like a National Enquirer like thing. Like, ooh, because National Enquirer is always based on fact. Yeah, clearly, you can still write this stuff and get it published. Um, well, I'm actually I'm seriously so excited to get Spirit of the Season and listen to this thing. Like I said, it is already out. And if our listeners want a copy, we're actually going to be giving away a free copy. So send your emails if you would like one to comments at madchatters.net and in the subject line put something about Voctive or Spirit of the Season. Uh, send those in by Sunday, December, no, November, what is that, the 14th, uh, by the end of that day, and then we'll pick a random listener who will win a copy of that album. Hooray. <laughs> On this show, we like to toss around words like immersive and theming. And if you don't know what we mean, Matt, why don't you why don't you explain what we mean? Find a different podcast. That's right. <laughs> What we mean by those two words specifically? Yeah, theming. Because <laughs> those are very theme parky words. Immersive and theming. Yes, they are. That um, Very good. I- immersiveness. I mean, am I defining the word? <laughs> we use that in relation to Walt Disney World because unlike your average amusement park, that might, you know, even try to have a theme, such as, you know, labeling a, a section of the park something. Uh, Disney World um, immerses in the sense of putting you into that environment to where it's it's not just themed to that place. Like, it's not just, okay, they use a different font on the signs or whatever, but everything around you from the trash can to the lighting to the background noises and the music and everything... Uh, and the time where it can be authentic, you know, it authentically plunges you into that environment, not only in theming, but in immersiveness. Perfect. Thank you so much for doing that. Uh, so yes. with that being said, we've got another top five list for you this week. And what we're going to be counting down are our favorite immersive environments, our favorite theming throughout all of Walt Disney World, wherever that might be. So, Jeremy, why don't you kick us off? What is your number five immersive environment? I'm still not understanding the definition of immersive. Can Matt expand a little bit more on that? Uh, from the Greek <laughs> word baptizo, which means I immerse or I submerge. To okay. plunge into. Uh, my number five is a little bit um, off the wall, but so am I. So I don't care. And that is, I love the... Fiesta Oi scene in Grand Fiesta Tour. Okay. That was just really specific, but I like oh, it. Yes, 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 yes. Thank you. And specifically then going from Fiesta Oi into that final scene <laughs> where there's Is the... that now the official name of the room? That's that. Uh, <laughs> yes. <Fiesta Oi. laughs> 
<laughs> Great. Yes. Um, which means party today. That's right. Uh, it, there we go. Multi-bilingual. Uh, but I love how it, um, that specifically that part that goes from the Fiesta Oi into the final scene with the audio animatronics now, how you kind of pass that... Um, it's it's not it's very flat. It's very you know not not a lot of um, things to look at per se. But it's got like the balloons on the floor, mm-hmm. and then there's the little flower boat, mm-hmm. um, and just that kind of architecture that that's in there. That kind of Adobe style. I don't know why, but I just love that, and I get the feeling that I'm in a little bit of like a like a old school small town. Mexican market. Uh, specifically, if you've ever seen the movie Desperado, I feel like Desperado and I get that feeling, the same feeling that I do in the movie. Like this small yeah. Mexican town. Granted, nobody's murdering anybody because it's Quentin Carantino in the film. But anyways, um, <laughs> just kind of that, that small Mexican town. Like, oh, we're in the middle of nowhere, but there's a party today. And look, they're selling flowers. and there's There is a fiesta, oi. Fiesta Oi. Yay. So we're talking before the fireworks, like before the audio animatronics? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, from the party to that to the fireworks. The fireworks lose me. I don't I'm not a fan of the fireworks personally. Just throwing that out there. Wow. Very nineteen um eighties. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I personally love them, but I can't disagree with you. But yeah, I I do love those balloons. I love them ironically. I do. We rode but that you, Friday, and and we loved it. You 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 lose the immersiveness when you when the, the fireworks bring you out of that. Uh, but anyways, yeah, Grand Fiesta tour, Fiesta Oi. No, I noticed something the other day, uh, or maybe maybe I've noticed it before, but I just kind of put it into conscious thought <laughs> on Friday, and that is uh, that scene you're talking about when you're coming out of the. Uh, Dia de los Muertos and all that stuff going on into that little hallway. I know exactly what you're talking about. Into the hallway with the kind of this the little the little scenes on the on the left. There's a scene right in front of you in the restaurant. You know what I'm talking about? Where the guys um, they're looking for Donald and, and the one guy lifts up the the tray and it's a oh duck. yeah yeah yeah. And then the other guy's sharpening his knife and yes. he turns around and they get scared. It's funny because those two guys. It's almost like they just pulled them off the street. And they're like, hey, come do this. Okay. And, you know, it's animated with the live action. So they're like, pretend you're seeing birds fly away or whatever. Because they're not looking anywhere near the animation. Yeah. They're like yeah. looking off into the distance. I think it's so funny. <laughs> also, oh, I forgot this. You just remind me, too. Even though a lot of the things you're supposed to look at in that little, using Matt's word, hallway, uh, is to the left. There's also that, like, balcony that's um, to your right. You know yeah. what I'm talking about? I don't know what it is. It's same thing in Pirates for me. Anytime there's a balcony and it in an attraction, it it, it no, you've, me. you've piqued my interest now. It's one of the. It's this is what this segment's for. Now I need to look around some more instead of just looking at the screens. Exactly. Hopefully, listeners will leave this episode with a better appreciation of theming and details that they did not have before. But maybe not. <laughs> uh, so my number five is a little bit more vague, uh, but it's all of storybook circus um i love the details of the peanuts in the pavement i love the new train station they added there 
Um, I just love the feel of it, really. The posters, which are very faded now, and they need to do something with. Uh, but the entryway, it's it all just really has that circus feel. Um, if I had to narrow it down, I would probably say, honestly, that the big top treats. I think that's right, but I, for some reason I feel like that's not right, but I think it is. Uh, the big top souvenirs, that's what it is. And then the big top treats in the center of the big top souvenirs. I love that store. Uh... They sell a lot of things, but I love the feel of it. I love the little circus-like displays they have on the tables. I love the trapezes that hang from the ceiling. Yeah. I like that place, too. It's a really cool store. And even if I don't buy anything, I feel I always feel like I have to go in and walk around. Absolutely. I always like to go in and get a candy apple. Yes, which, speaking of... When we went there this last time with the family I was with, everyone got something. I just went in because I really wanted one of the chocolate chip cookies. Well, everybody, everybody ended up getting something. And Jeremy, you and I always talk about how... Who buys those apples? Yes, they're so hard to eat. So the girl... Wait, no, no, no. I just like the candy ones, the red ones. Oh, okay. Well, she got like caramel, peanuts, all the mess on it. Well, the woman said, do you want us to slice it? I was like, did you know they did that? No. That's terrific. They have one of those, like, one-step things that just, like, pour it and slice it. Yeah, Yeah. like, kaboom. And they did that real quick, and they served it in this plastic container. And I'm like, well, now I want one. (laughs) My life has changed because literally I'm like, who buys these? I never see anybody chomping on an apple on a stick around the park. That's because they have it in the plastic containers. And they're munching on it with their little fingers. Yes. Yes. So I really think I'm going to get one next time I go. I am having an Oprah Winfrey aha moment right now. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Anyway, I love that store. I do love all of Storybook Circus, but if I had to narrow it down to one thing, just everything in that store, every detail is impeccable. I love it, too. I wonder why they just didn't go ahead and keep keep it as a separate land. I mean, it's certainly no smaller than, than Mickey's Toontown Fair. I agree, yeah. And it would be a little nice homage to, you know, Walt's original, one of his early ideas for this. I think it actually existed at Disneyland, like a big top circus land area. Um, I think they it did, too. And then because didn't like the Mickey Mouse Clubhouse, not Mickey Mouse Clubhouse, uh, the Mickey Mouse Club. Didn't they perform in it as well? Yeah, it was kind of like a big field that wasn't developed yet. And it, it went through a lot of things. It was like a picnic area. Then it was the circus area. Then it was the Mickey Mouse Club thing. Uh, yeah, I think it eventually which, became part of Tomorrowland or something like that. Which is amazing to me because the Mickey Mouse Club, like like those kids were, um, I mean, those were like on TV, like children. Yeah. And then they went and performed every day in the park and people did not care like they did not go see the can you imagine now i mean even today like you and i like us we don't care about disney channel stars but i'm picturing you know if some of those disney channel stars did a show at walt disney world every day like people would freak out over that it's true i mean there might be like death threats uh anyway they should have sat on that for a while made that on separate land my number five is um a small section of a land and uh, it is Asia at Disney's Animal Kingdom. And, and I might just go ahead and say I love all of Asia, but specifically the section that was expanded for Ever- Expedition Everest, and that is the Kingdom of Anandapur. Um, I, I love the, the entryway into Asia, the bridge with the big, uh, the big banner. 
But when you get over into this area, there was so much effort and research and detail put into making this area come to life around Expedition Everest. So, you know, you have the big coaster, you see the mountain, and everybody's kind of attracted to that. That's the, uh, as they call it, that's the weenie that's pulling you <laughs> further into the, the horizon. But if you just take a moment to look around, all the, all the stuff they've, they've done, like the little backpack store, and there's just... Uh, bicycles uh, on the side of the road and there's tracks and there's elephant tracks and there's these little shrines to the Yeti and the prayer flags and you know the popcorn lights that we love. Um, everything leading up to that is telling the story of that one attraction. And it is, is fantastic, even down to the food carts, which ironically sell very Americanized things like ice cream cones and stuff. But the little food carts that are kind of the, um, what do you call those things in India? Like a rickshaw? Yeah, no, it's got it starts with a G, a J. Junket, junket, jacket. I don't think it's jacket, but I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> if that helps narrow it down, uh, somebody with a, a little wider vocabulary than I, 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 I have can, can help us out with that. But I just love this area, and you know the little fictional king and queen that Jeremy idolizes. They're like his adopted grandparents or something. Um, everything about this area is wonderful. He wishes. Uh, yeah. Yeah. When when you cross that bridge, we, we did it, of course, a few weeks ago. And I remember Terry said, it's beautiful. And it is. Like with the prayer flags and the mm. rock work, everything is so pretty. But even beyond that, it really does feel completely authentic. And I say that because I saw Doctor Strange this weekend. And several scenes take place in the Himalayas, and he's walking through little villages at the bottom of the mountain. I could swear that they were filmed in the Asia section of yeah. Animal Kingdom. It looks exactly like it. Like, the way the door frames have a very Asian, like, curved feel, as opposed to American, you know, rectangle door frames. Um, the little prayer things in the middle of the street, and prayer flags, and it was... the incense everywhere i'm like this is asia that's crazy yeah i mean it was asia but not the fake asia anyway uh i'm gonna go i'm gonna move my numbers around because my number four piggybacks off of mats and that is the expedition everest queue particularly i love how it tells the story of the, the attraction and i kind of get lost in that uh, which I love. And that is, if you're going through the long queue, you're not going through, well, I guess even Fast Pass kind of has a modified version of this, but then if you're definitely not single rider, but um, if you're going through the normal queue, you start out, of course, at the ticket booth, um, kind of purchasing the the, the the tickets in your guide for the expedition you're about to partake in and then you move through the queue some more eventually you end up in the little shop there where you're purchasing your supplies um, and then ultimately you go through the Yeti Museum in which you see a lot of artifacts and uh, information that is just real enough to make you stop and go is this legitimate? Like, is this like real stuff that Disney has put in here about the Yeti? Or is this all just, you know, a bunch of bunk that they made up for the attraction? You know, it's just, it just has that that touch of authenticity to it that gives you pause for, for a moment. Mm -hmm. But then and also the I love... cabinet. And the what? The poop cabinet. Yes, the little uh, 
examples of different types of feces. Oh, gotcha. I, th- I thought maybe you had to purchase a, a something for you to poop in when you're on the mountain. And I was like, I don't remember that. that maybe shop. that too. <laughs> Where's that... my poop cabinet? I gotta go. <laughs> <laughs> um, but also too, like how they have, as you're going through the queue, there's um, like Derek mentioned earlier, the, the prayer flags, there's the, the Yeti monuments and um, statues and those kind of things that are kind of placed throughout with the very authentic red um, forehead paintings because the Yeti is, if you know anything about this, it's not a creature to be feared, but it's to be respected and worshipped even um, in that culture. So uh, it's, it just has a very authentic feel to it. It really does. And, and it it's, it's a wonderful area, as Matt mentioned earlier. He should not be feared, especially when he is in B-mode. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, actually, that's when I fear him the most. Yeah, <laughs> I feel like, oh, this is what WDI Imagineering has come to. Ah. <laughs> Strobe light. Two things about that. First of all, the last time we wrote it, so we wrote it five times in a row the night we were at Animal Lord. Kingdom because it, it, like there was no one there at the end of the night. The fifth time we wrote it, we were barreling through about to reach that last tunnel and we just came screeching to a halt on the track. And then we kind of waited for a few seconds and we were like, what is happening? And then we slowly made our way through the tunnel. And you know, it's going so fast that it, it you're almost completely sideways, but you don't notice because you're going fast. But when you're going slow, like everybody feels like they're about to fall out of the car because we <laughs> were true. leaning so far one way. And then we went under the Yeti, but all the lights were off. Like, I guess everything had been shut down. And so I couldn't even see him. It was weird. And that kind of killed the momentum for that day. Well, we're closed. Yeah, it was. It was very. We after that, we were like, "Let's just go." It was strange. That's like the ending of Big Thunder Mountain every time. Aw, poor yeah. Big Thunder. <laughs> after the third lift hill. Uh, but the other thing I was going to say is, uh, I think the the Expedition Everest queue is one of the best examples of things that Disney did knowing full well that 80% or more of the people would not notice or care that all this stuff is in the queue. They just want to get on the ride. Yes. I, I will. Um, yeah, it's wonderful, but I, 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 I think I'll provide the minority uh, ruling because I think the majority of people would put Yeti, uh, the expedition Everest queue over this one. But I think the queue for Cali river rapids is, 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 a, is, is, I'm not gonna say way better. It's a, it's a it's a lot more expansive. Like the rooms and things you walk through are, are so big, and they have that tall idol of the the lion and the the Buddha statue that comes. It's in pieces there on out on the yard, and you just walk through so many more environments. But uh, both of those queues don't. Even if you don't ride Cali River Rapids, if it's a short wait, walk walk through the queue, and and look at all that wonderful stuff. Hmm. Uh, my number four is also a queue, and. Like my number five, it's also in New Fantasyland. It's the queue for Under the Sea Journey of the Little Mermaid. Everything about it, from the facade, which is just beautiful and looks exactly like the castle from the movie. Uh, Mm -hmm. As you go through there outside, you see the beautiful waterfalls that are going into the little ponds around you. Um, I love right before you board. It's a huge cavern, and you're in there for maybe a minute. 
So it's mm-hmm. like Disney did not have to do this, but it's huge. And it's got those really cool lanterns that hang from the ceiling. There's the nice mural. I mean, once you get on the ride, it's it's just a typical dark ride, but everything before that is so immersive, so pretty, A+. Yeah, the, the queue outweighs the attraction in that one for me. <laughs> yeah, I'd agree with that. I like I even and- like the exit, the exit queue, whatever you call it, the exit yeah, cavern. <laughs> and it's nice having Scuttle there to uh, give you some yeah. lines. Yeah, I gotta say, he was broken when we went through a few weeks Aww. ago, and I can't totally remember what was wrong with him now, but one of his body parts was clearly, like, not working like it should be. And well, I got it, pills for that now. I knew that was coming. <laughs> Just forget I said any of that. I like, too, at the end of the attraction when he says, and they all lived happily ever after. Of course, they also lived in a really big castle, which ain't too bad either. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I like Scuttle, voice of, rea- of uh, yeah. reality there voice of reason i my my number four is actually in mexico too but it's just the mexico pavilion on the inside in general uh including the uh, grand fiesta tour which which has has grown on me over over the last couple months and, and even the last year but specifically once you enter to, to, into the pyramid you get through the um the little opening museum area which is it's okay it's it's very library like in there to me but when you get into the actual marketplace uh, and what i mean by that is when you enter into this it's a it's an outdoor themed environment but it's all inside but it's like eternally dusk and uh, there's the, the pyramid in the background and the volcano and the sky is kind of purpley um uh and, but all around you are are like the facades of this little mexican town and and in the center all these carts selling all these things and it's just it's it's for disneyland folks people have compared it to um kind of that parts of the caribbean blue bayou in that when you get on the grand fiesta tour the boats sail by the restaurant um the sun and hell inn and all of that just put together is wonderful you got the the boat moving and there's the water and the candlelit restaurant there on the edge of the water and the little carts and the street lamps and the fountain and it's outside and you hear the the the, uh, the sounds of the jungle in the distance. Um, it's great. The Grand Fiesta Tour is worth the ride just for that opening scene mm-hmm. when you get to sail by the pyramid and all and hear the, the sounds and the water and the statues and stuff. But I love that that uh, that whole area. One hundred percent agree. There are your balconies, Jeremy. They've got nice balconies inside the Mexico Pavilion. Yes, balconies for days. Yes. Or DS for our Mexican friends. Is it my turn? Number three. Um, again, a place that is very precious to my heart. And that is the Q... I guess it's a Q slash pre-show slash whatever you want to call it. Uh, the opening area of the Enchanted Tiki Room. Oh my goodness. I have... <laughs> raved about this for years and i will continue but there's something about that the the fire and the water that makes me just want to pull up a chair and sit there all night long get your mai tai oh yes 
come on, girl. And I just want to sit there and just soak my feet and, and enjoy the 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 ambiance of that area there. And, yeah. and even if the birds never come out, you know, and do the do the pre-show, I'm fine with that too. But, they, you know, they can come out and entertain me. But just sitting there, maybe get a little marshmallow on a stick and when uh, yeah. the fire god, you know, lights up. Ah. Mm-hmm. And just enjoy, like you said, enjoy a nice a nice beverage and just enjoy the evening right there in the – I guess I, I wouldn't call that the garden. Is that the tiki garden? You probably could just go in there and sit. You think they'd make you, like, move when the show starts? Like, you have to go in? No, that place never fills up. Just go get you a Dole Whip and just sit on the back row there. Just plop, pop a squat all day long. That's true. That's a good one. I did think about that. That is a super peaceful, serene, wonderful, quaint little area. They might not like, you know, if it got to be a thing where people just loitered there all the time, they might not <laughs> like that. So well, don't do it because it's my thing. I call dibs on it. It also amazes me how that queue is right there off the beaten path, and yet you don't really hear a lot of people. I guess because the water's so loud that you don't really hear a lot of the, the passersby. It really is like a peacefulness yeah. to that area. True. Mm. Uh, Jeremy, you I think you've mentioned this before too. I don't remember. Maybe it was me about jumping in it. About it's one of those bodies of water that I would jump in um, naked. And that is <laughs> when you it's, let's say you're walking up to the entrance of the tiki room, right? Or okay, walking up to the entrance entrance of the tiki room, and instead of going into the attraction, you take a right. Yes. Or as you're coming out of the attraction, you turn right, and there's that yes. the, where the doorway is. There's a wonderful little step, the step uh, facade, and then there's some there's water, a little waterfall there. I love that area. Now, they absolutely ruined... I mean, it's not a great area other than that because right 10 feet behind you is the magic carpets and people going back and forth with their Dole Whips and strollers and stuff. But I love that little area, too, with the, the that music playing, the Hawaiian folk music in the background and that little waterfall trickling down the steps. That's yeah, place. just... Just uh, if you can, it, it's visually stunning. <laughs> yes. it's, take a picture of it and then go home and then look yeah. at it in silence. Yes. Yeah, they might not throw you out for camping out in the back row, but they'll definitely throw you out if you start jumping in fountains naked. But we'll talk about that later. Uh, so my number three is another queue. Will we? Yeah, no, we won't. <laughs> it, my number three is another queue. It's uh, one we've talked about before on the show. It's the Tower of Terror queue everything from when you first this is the genius of disney okay first of all i love all of sunset boulevard i think it's a wonderfully themed area yes but this original attraction to theme it to a hotel that would totally be there at the same time as the rest of this sunset boulevard they created but to make it this rundown hotel that no one goes to anymore the gates are shut like that's just brilliant to me and everything about it has been themed so meticulously so you get to the bottom and there's that wonderfully landscaped sign with the lights that kind of flicker on and off saying tower of terror and you go up through the gates and you go through this beautiful front yard just like an old hotel would have you kind of feel like and then there's the broken down fountain that doesn't work and the lobby is so cool i really wish the queue kind of went through the lobby like i wish it wrapped around that room because you really don't have time to take in all the cool details that are in the cobwebbed dusty lobby 
Um, and even, I, I guess it can even include like the boiler room and the the little uh, pre-show rooms in this as well. Because everything was just so well thought out. The library. Yes, that's good job. There is a name for it, yeah. Yeah, this actually didn't really come on my radar for whatever reason. But now that you say that, I absolutely agree. And one of the things that I think is so genius, and and I'm sure it was planned. Maybe it wasn't planned, but I'm sure it was. The way that you kind of have to walk up an incline as soon as you enter the queue there is genius to me because you are starting so low and the way the tower just looms over you as you make your way up. And then it's almost as if you are disconnecting, having to climb up this hill from the rest of the theme park. That by the time you get up to that abandoned fountain, you are almost winded if there's not a line. And you feel like you've walked much further than what you've actually walked. Yep. Huh. Very interesting. At least that's the sense I get. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. But I forgot to mention the music, too. I mean, you can't ignore the music because it adds such a big part to what makes this a creepy, immersive cue. Yeah, and there's a creepy um, statue that a lot of people probably don't see. It's kind of... Not off in the distance, but it's not right next to the queue line. It's kind of there by that abandoned fountain to the left when you're walking yeah. in. And it's like an angel-looking statue. And if you, and if, especially if you're a Doctor Who fan, you know that's really trouble there. But um, it is kind of... I noticed it one day walking. I was like, oh, oh, that's weird. <laughs> and uh, anyways, because you just... It's, it's <laughs> almost... It's so... It's not close enough to be like... Oh, they purposely put that there. It's still like far enough away that you're like, is that is that supposed to be there? <laughs> like that kind of creepy. So. Yep, good stuff. Uh, well, once again, I'm gonna just take your your cue and see you the whole area, and I'm gonna my number three was Sunset Boulevard, so we, we can expand that to talk about the uh, that whole area and uh, when you say things about the tower of terror it's exactly why i love sunset boulevard because of the uh the setting 1920s 30s hollywood um the music is wonderful you know think swing big band music up and down um i mean they really really made this whole street i mean before that you know the studios when you walked up there to that that area where the the wait time where starbucks is now you turned right you know sunset boulevard did not exist prior to uh, the Tower of Terror. And so it was really like a whole land expansion. Uh, some of my favorite things are, are, are just the music, the setting. This, you know, the stores and stuff are not that great, but yeah. they're there. The facades are great. Um, and what, one of my little favorite places to eat is that Sunset Ranch Market there on the left, which I've mentioned many, many times, which has kind of the, um, the studio... Um, I don't know how to even word it. It's it's all outdoors, and it's like it's this little separated food court, courtyard area. Uh, I just like the, ho- the whole feel of that area, especially in the evening. Um, Tower of Terror is lit up, and all the lights are shining up and down the street. And you get a lot of the, uh, the entertainment in the day mm-hmm. up and down Sunset Boulevard, um, the little street act, uh, street atmosphere, uh, actors and things. So I love... I just love this setting. Things that don't necessarily fit for me. We've talked about how rock and roller coaster is kind of a, hmm, why is that here? And um, 
I wish they would just do something different with the uh, the Beauty and the Beast show. Not because it's just so old, but just something to make it, I don't know, fit the theme. And I don't know if anything would be popular enough to fit the theme, but uh, those two things, again, the attractions and the shows don't really do it for me. It's just the feel of the area that I love. Yeah, I and, that. and the Tower of Terror. That streetmosphere is some of my favorite in all of Walt Disney World. They do a great job. Yeah. And I love the palm trees that tower over the buildings yes. and line the sidewalks. Those are great. Yeah, they make a good little uh, runway to the Tower of Terror. Yeah. Listen, they could replace the Beauty and the Beast show with an abbreviated version of Sunset Boulevard, the Broadway musical. And people would not go see it. But. I don't think so. <laughs> it's coming back to Broadway next year. Everybody will go oh. see it. I mean, maybe like a Newsies thing, but I, I don't know how popular that is with the masses either. I would love Newsies. Uh, Sunset Boulevard, I think I would enjoy, but just because it's coming back to Broadway. I mean, they could bring Rent back to Broadway, but they're not going to put it in Hollywood Studios. No. Uh, my number two is uh, this is a deep cut, y'all, but um, this is something that I I go back and listen to one of the shows is absolutely one of my all time favorite things that I have ever 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 experienced at a Walt Disney World park, and that is the Twinings Tea Garden at Epcot in the UK Pavilion. Ah, uh, yes. It was a temporary, I think, only there for Flower and Garden or one of their festivals or whatever. Yeah. It might have even been food and wine. Who knows? But it was in that area that's kind of right there um, as you're leaving the UK Pavilion but going towards France behind the tea shop uh, where Alice meets and greets, kind of in that area. But it was so beautiful, so peaceful, and so wonderful that I spent way too long in there just absorbing every moment of it. And from that moment i left there going i want a tea garden in my own backyard like this is heaven for me this is this is where i would go each and every day to just release my cares and just relax and refresh and it was everything i wanted and more and i loved that area isn't it like like 10 feet by 10 feet i don't I, yeah I it's it was not very small. it's very small but in that they utilize that space so well because they had the different uh tea um plants that you know different varieties they had those like fun but not tacky but fun um oversized teacups that had uh, the planters uh, yes yes and then but also had like the twinings tag like tea bag tags that were oversized and had fun facts and things on them and it was I feel just... like you would be the first to tell me that it is twinnings no it's twinnings I feel like you've corrected me before when I said twinnings and it was twinnings oh is it I, I don't know I, I feel like you've corrected me on that before I want to say I've looked this up and it's twinnings well while you look it up I have to say that I feel the passion <laughs> coming from you like i felt like you were about to cry as you were talking about it and all your hand motions yeah i wish our listeners could see the hand motions you're they were emphatic it's 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 a this is a passion of jeremy's that that little blasted tea garden that's no bigger than your average dorm room (laughs) i really am passionate about it hold on i'm gonna play the pronunciation here this is a youtube video twinings twinings well, someone has corrected me before because I naturally just always said Twinings. 
and I remember someone telling me it's, you know, it's Twinnings, right? I, you, you know, I felt stupid. Speaking of tea, our friend Ruben pointed out that our tea regular segment that we did for about 10 episodes has just went away and never came back. I think we did it for like three episodes. Oh, okay. I, I don't remember 10 episodes, no. That's a deep callback for our uh, faithful listeners. That was the one idea contribution I've ever made to this show, and it, it lasted for... <laughs> that is not true. It lasted for three episodes, mainly just... because Derek's just not drink tea. So Jeremy and I were going on and on about our Darjeeling and Prince of Wales, and, and Derek was like, I have Starbucks. <laughs> well, back to the countdown. I do have to say that I'm as passionate about my number two as... That sounded weird. I'm as passionate about my second <laughs> choice as Jeremy was about his, but it's something that's already been mentioned. Uh, my, my number two is the inside of the Mexico pavilion which matt has already talked about i second everything he said uh i love the fountain i you you mentioned the fountain but i think that's actually one of the highlights of the area when you first walk in um i even just looking up even if there was nothing on the floor no little uh booths and kiosks where they're selling things if you just look up the night sky is beautiful all the balconies around you and like the stucco and I just love the inside of this pavilion so much. And then, I mean, yeah. that's not even to mention the pyramid, which is really what your eyes focus on when you walk in. Gosh, it's so beautiful. I wanted to pick, I wanted to narrow it down to one pavilion because really all of World Showcase is very immersive. Well, most of World Showcase is very immersive. Um, <laughs> and I had narrowed it down to France and Mexico. And when I think about just like the outside of the Aztec pyramid in Mexico, I mean, it's fine. Isn't it, it? It's. I mean, it doesn't do a lot for me. I think it's a really cool structure, but other than that, but when you walk inside, that's that's where the money is. Good stuff. I sec. I fourth that. <laughs> Thank you. My second, my number two comes from Pirates of the Caribbean. I mean, you know, big surprise. This makes it into my list. I I could say the whole attraction. Um, I will specifically say in terms of environment. I will specifically say the battleship scene when you come down from the plunge and you turn the corner and they did such a, this is one, one thing. Okay. One thing that I think the Disney world version has over the Disneyland version is that that plunge sets up the best reveal ever. And that is when you turn that corner, the battle music is starting to play from the the score from Pirates of the Caribbean, and you turn the corner and there's that big ship and the moon in the background and the fortress on the right and you the cannon splashes are going. I mean just one of the most detailed, massive immersive scenes in any Walt Disney attraction ever. The big ship I mean, it's a. I mean, not full size, but it's a big old ship on your left. If the fog is working, you know, it's foggy in there. There's a moon projected on the back. There's some forced perspective with some lighthouses that go, and it, of course, it's like the Mexican pavilion is that in that it feels like you're outside at night, and you're in between this big ship and this big fortress on the right, and then one of the quintessential Disney special effects is the cannon splashes in the water. That as the cannons are firing back and forth at each other, you see orange flashes in the water, and it's just a little air cannon that blows water up. But it's so effective, and it immerses you immediately into that 
that scene in a way that you wouldn't otherwise uh, be. Um, something I actually think was exponentially improved upon with the uh, 2006 renovation when they added the film elements to the ride because of the music they added to that scene from the from the film. 100% agree. No other scene in an attraction has come up on this show more than this scene. And there's a reason, because it still uh, sometimes audibly makes me say, wow, just because you turn that corner and you're right. The reveal is hands down one of the best things Walt Disney World has ever done. And it's what? It's 40 years old. Yeah, for first timers, uh, you know, several times been with first timers. No matter what they think of the rest of the attraction, because sometimes people are a little underwhelmed, uh, depending on what their their um, expectations are from the movies and stuff coming into it. Um, that that scene and the reveal coming out of the caverns always make el- elicits a wow from people because it if that's the and that's one of the first things I usually do with first timers is take them in Adventureland. Um, Pirates of the Caribbean because it's just so quintessentially like wow this is spectacular I cannot believe it is this detailed and this massive uh, of a thing yeah and I always think another part of that wow is like wow this is all underneath Magic Kingdom like this is all hidden from the rest of the park that's crazy yep alright I think that brings us to number one number one I'm going to bring us back to Animal Kingdom, and I'm going to take us to Harambe Market, which is the wonderful addition. You know what? I'm going to pull a Matt and Derek. You know, I'm going, that's it, off script, throwing it away. He is ripping up pages. I'm giving the uh, audio commentary here. Uh, I'm going to say the whole Africa area at Animal Kingdom. I genuinely genuinely love the architecture there i love the wires that just are all in shambles and this is this is crazy this is americanized jeremy i'm i apologize to the rest of the world but and when i'm in africa there i immediately uh, imagine i'm on amazing race <laughs> like i get that feeling like this is what it'd be like if i was in some african village in the middle of nowhere and i was looking for phil that's what it would be like um but I just love it, and and particularly the market uh, area, so well done. I love the posters. There's always something visually stimulating that is just catches your attention, and it's definitely one of those areas that you never can take it all in in one trip. And um, it does have that Disney-esque romanticized appeal to it. But we're Disney fans. We like that. And so I'm okay with it. I love the little motivational things. In fact, um, we tweeted when everybody was tweeting their phone pictures. Remember that was a thing like two weeks ago? Uh, My phone thing is from Harambe Marketplace. And it just says, um, uh, we renew broken hearts. And I just like that a lot. So Harambe Market, it's amazing. Get lost in romanticized Disney Africa. Yeah, it's uh, romanticized to an extent, but it's very authentic looking. I think so. You mentioned the, the 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 wires everywhere and, and stuff and then um you know, yeah. you'll even you'll even swear that you have a little touch of dysentery. That's what I was about to say. You don't you don't get the the heartworms and you don't get yeah. the 
the malaria, <laughs> the AIDS, nothing like that is, is present, but uh, the rest of it is. You mentioned the posters. They also have those little like notice boards where people can kind of open up the little door, put their notice on, and then close the door. And uh, I, we noticed that as we were there a couple weeks ago that a lot of the things are spelled wrong, which I'm sure is on purpose, but I'm like, I feel like that's maybe a little racist <laughs> to just like assume that all the advertisements would be spelled wrong. Uh, but I get it. I mean, English isn't their first language. What kind of misspellings are we talking about here? Like, I don't remember the specific one I saw, but it was something like need roommate with one M or stuff like that, you know? I think it's pronounced rumate. Oh, well, I wish I had thought of that. <laughs> oh, excuse me, rumate. Rumate. <laughs> I think my favorite part of the Africa part is just when you cross over the bridge. Because, first of all, the bridge itself is awesome. It's got the two, like, Jurassic Park kind of uh, entrance yeah. things on either side that spell down Africa. But right there when you get on the other side and, like, the Lion King show is to your left. Um, and they're, like, when you look down, when you're on the bridge and you look down, they've got, like, a little boat parked there and a bunch of little um, novelty things that, I mean, you can't even get down there. It's just for show. Um, but then on your right, there's like the Tamu Tamu refreshment thing. I just love like standing right there, kind of at a crossroads, and all of Africa is around you. It's cool stuff. Uh, but for my number one, I'm going to take us back to Asia because it's again, I matched something on Matt's list. But just as you cross over the bridge from Dinoland USA from the Finding Nemo show. And you enter Asia right by Expedition Everest. And you've got the prayer flags. And I think even I would include the entranceway to um, what will eventually be Rivers of Light. They've got the two new scanners for your magic band that are themed actually to something you'd find in the Himalayas. You know what I'm talking about? The little archway that eventually guests will walk yeah. through when that show starts. Even that. Um, and like I said, it Doctor Strange just reinforced for me how brilliant the theming is in this area. And it's just so pretty. And I could just stand there and not even ride anything and just look around it. Yeah. It's my hands down favorite theming in all of Walt Disney World. Wow. Both of y'all have number ones in Animal Kingdom. We do. and But it... it but that, it's so hard. Like, there's a lot of good... I didn't even put any resorts on here. And how many times have we talked about how immersive and cool the resorts are, so... <sighs> We're going to make shirts called, that say, Roadies, Roadies. <laughs> when you talked about the, uh, the, uh, the lines, the power lines, it made me think of him. Because I remember he posted a photo on Instagram, and his captions are always forever long. And his caption was like, I know some people make fun of the power lines, but I just wanted to show you a real picture of Africa when I visited. And there are twice as many power lines here as there are in Animal Kingdom. Yeah, Joe Rohde does a good service. If you don't follow him on Instagram, he's all about uh, nutshell education. Like, here's a little cultural thing in a nutshell. Boom. Now you've learned something today. That's not the same thing as nut job, is it, now? Hey. Don't talk about our Joe that way. I felt like nutshell education in most places, nut job education in Chester and Hester's. <laughs> Aww. This is a parking lot. Notice that Chester and Hester's did not make any of our lists. I appreciate that. My number one 
it seems a bit on the nose, but it just it just is what it is. And it's Main Street USA, specifically at dusk into evening, and even more specifically, watching the fireworks on on Main Street USA. Yeah, it was hard to leave that off my list. I'll be honest. We've talked about Main Street a lot. There's just um, something we talked about quintessentially uh, Disney about Main Street. And even though the medleys and the music on Main Street is not, you know, in your face Disney. I mean, it's not like you're hearing Disney medleys walking down Main Street. That music just takes me to Disney World every time I hear it. Anytime I hear any turn of the century, that kind of music man, the up score, anything like that. I'm, I'm transported there and especially at dusk it's just beautiful when the lights come on and the castle is lit up and like I said when the fireworks are going off that is I mean that's the postcard shot is Main Street with the castle and the fireworks and it's just magical so don't believe the people that tell you you can watch the fireworks anywhere sure if you've seen the show before go you know if you just catch them in Tomorrowland that's fine Go to Main Street and watch the fireworks like a real person with <laughs> Cinderella Castle in the background. That is the way they are meant to be viewed. They shouldn't even play the music elsewhere. They should make you go to Main Street. If people want to stand elsewhere, that's their choice. Don't crowd me in my happy place. Yeah, you're right. Don't. <laughs> Good, yeah, call. Don't, Good call. While they're, while they're waiting on the, the non-existent evening parade to begin... Yeah, well, I don't know about you guys, but I had a I had a pretty hard time narrowing down my list. In fact, I think what happened was once I found five I liked, I was like, just stop because you're going to go down a rabbit hole and never be able to narrow it down. Yeah. Because Walt Disney World is a theme park, and it does the theming better than just about any other theme park in the world. So. Yeah. Anyway, if you guys, if you listeners have any details or themes that you love that we left off, be sure to send those to us. You can always. Find us on Twitter at Mad Chatters or Instagram at Mad Chatters, or you can connect with us on Facebook. You can send your emails to comments at madchatters.net. We'll see you back here next week. Thanks for listening. Take a little time to find the magic in every day. Bye-bye now. And do you know why it's dusk in the Mexican pav- pavilion? Because there's a part. There was a party today. I don't know. No, because it's a fiesta, oi. <laughs> because dusk is the time in Mexican culture when family and friends gather together to socialize. Oh, they just wanted to make it nighttime on the inside. Yeah, because it's prettier. I and read the, that, and you have something. to. And uh, it's easier to hide and run from the drug lords in, at night. <laughs> No, that's just a statement of fact. Mexico is pretty dangerous there for a while because of drug lords. <laughs> drug trafficking. Had nothing to do with Mexican people. You can't even I... state facts anymore? I don't understand. <laughs> you can't even state facts anymore that Mexico had a problem with drug trafficking? I love how you got so defensive. Well, because it just, the looks on your face is like you can't say that. I'm like, dude, <laughs> El freaking Chapo. <laughs> Chupacabra, man. Chupacabra.
All right. Whatever. Back to the show. El freaking Chapo. Yes. Okay. Is it my turn for number one? It's my turn for number two. <laughs> okay. So I'll go. be back in about 15 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> so stupid. <laughs> 